Hey, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents. I'm your host, Sam Davies. Today, we've got a throwback to a bit earlier in the year when we were over in Melbourne and we sat down with Susie Nguyen, aka String. If you haven't heard of String before, I don't know where you've been. Um, String has been running video content across uh, various social media channels for the last four or five years. She started off using Meerkat and talking about personal branding um, and storytelling and how you can market yourself using video primarily. We met on Snapchat probably about four years ago when I started using Snapchat for video marketing for, for Digital Noir. And as Snapchat slowly sort of faded out um, from the attention span, she moved across through various platforms, um, eventually landed in LinkedIn when they launched video and she was one of the early adopters and managed to grow her channel to 30,000 followers in um, just over a year um, and was one of the top voices on LinkedIn and did a really amazing job of cutting through using video on the platform. I usually catch up with String when I'm over in Melbourne and we just geek out on a whole bunch of different things. In this conversation, we jumped across a bunch of topics talking about personal branding, the state of marketing in 2019, how to deal with trolls online, visual cues, and we actually jumped in talking about banking apps. We were sitting above UpBank, um, which is a really cool startup if you haven't checked it out. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, so yeah, looking down on this stand at PauseFest, we jumped in there. So enjoy Cheers. Let's, let's jump straight into it. You're talking about, about up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they kind of fit everything that I think is an ideal startup. Like, um, they know their shit, yeah. great branding, good onboarding. Great design. Great design. Yeah, come on. Like, yeah, didn't they stand it. out? Like, you walk in, the first thing you notice yeah. is that fluoro yeah. triangle, right? And you get, um, and when my friend mentioned, because I was like, um, uh, one of the, my things for 2019 is like, how do I like uh, fix up my personal finance this year? Yeah. Like, yeah. Important topic. I've, I've done the same thing. When did you do it? I so, had, I love to hear your story. So midway through, because me and my wife have been talking about doing it for a long time. So I run my own business. I had, the business was really interwoven with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose a lot of freelancers have that, you know, where they're as a sole trader and, you know, they kind of, the business in them is the same entity, right? Yeah, it um, is. It is, and it's not necessarily good. But I love bad. to talk about it. Here it, it with you. Yeah, so it's actually it's actually quite bad. And I think the earlier as a freelancer, you can understand that you should separate your business from your personal um, finance. So I think some business owners are very good at budgeting for business. So probably four years ago, I separated everything, changed the entity to a company, which you don't necessarily need to do. It depends on your sort of structure and size. Sole trade is fine, but you definitely should separate, you know, business money from personal money. And then I think what business owners are quite good at doing is, you know, putting together cash flow projections and budget projections for a business, but then suck at doing it for themselves. Yeah, I think that's, um, and I have, I have to say, like, one of the things that I, I ran away from so much because it was super scary for me, mm. and I wish I could, like, offload that to someone else. Yeah. But I can't do that because like, I'm also planning to uh, develop my own business and things like that, and I noticed that I had to restructure in a way that yeah. things about 10 years from now on because... I don't have a super. Yeah. Well, like my super is super crappy at the moment. Yeah. Have you read uh, Barefoot Investor? Yeah. So, so I read it. So it's, it's crazy how many people have read it, and it's a really, it's really simple advice, right? So practical, super very, practical. Very practical. So, so I, my sister read it. I think the start of last year, and then she told me about it because she was, I was doing her uh, dinner dates with her or whatever. You know, I, I, she lives in Sydney, so over the phone, um, and I was like, this is actually really good advice because I 
don't have super either. I've been running my own business for 12 years now and have, you know, nothing saved really. Um, which, you know, you start thinking about, yeah, like, you know, the next 15 years are going to go quite quickly. And then, you know, and I think a lot of people sort of in our age group um, and younger are going to, you know, wake up at 65 and be like, shit, you know, I don't have enough money to, to get through this. And like, not everyone's going to necessarily want the, uh, the dream, like own your own property, which is something yeah. like my parents and like everyone beforehand has like that dream yeah. and it was a much Australian dream. Mm. But it seems like the millennials are like, there's this massive property gap at the moment. Yep. Um, I do feel like there's a bubble coming along. Yeah. But like I've kind of fitted like my profile because like I was actually looking for one where I could uh, open up a bank account that's more digital focused and then yeah. I was able to track my spending terms and where am I spending my money. So they're able to do that. Yeah. And so, I like that. So we've been talking heaps the last couple of days around, you know, all, all the sort of buzzwords at the moment like design thinking and human-centered design. But, you know, businesses, I suppose, going out and talking to the people that, you know, are going to use their products and actually creating things for them. Um, and banking's always been one of those things that I don't think has ever really had from purely from the interface perspective, but then the onboarding and, you know, how we interact with it and the actual service they're offering too. There hasn't really been anything around. Well, if you look at, I look at, I'm with Westpac. Yeah. Sorry, Westpac, I'm going to use an example. <laughs> Terrible interface. Terrible. Um, but I do oh. like some of the things and features, but they were super clunky, so yeah. I had to go based on them. But I understand that the cater for like, thousands and hundreds and people are like people yeah. using the thing but the way they like deliver the content was like i want to know where my money is going to yep they don't even categorize that for you and i appreciate that they're built on the back end of you know legacy systems it's, it's difficult for, for a, yep. um, a giant like that to, to be agile enough to pivot and create something new yeah but so i you know like i was talking to the up team if i like someone i just you know, <laughs> find the person behind yeah. the thing and they that I actually backed up by Bendigo Bank. and Adelaide. So Bendigo and Adelaide banks. Are, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So so I don't know how much you know about neo banks. I, I don't know much about it. So one of my mates was telling me about. Uh, we were looking at it from a design perspective because the app's designed really beautifully. Yeah, Anson um, Anson was a head product. Person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, he was telling me about neo banks. I'm I, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. It's worth looking into, but it's it's sort of essentially sort of a, a cross between I suppose crypto and traditional banking where it is kind of decentralized but um, much like so so upbank is essentially it's it's all run uh, you know through the app you know there's there's no there's no actual financial institution you can walk into um, similar to an ING I suppose um, but it is actually backed by you know two traditional banks so yeah. and the, the, the banking regulations in Australia pe- people are funny because they're like oh shit you know I'm not going to trust some you know dodgy app bank it's if, if you're a registered um, financial institution in the country, then you, you have to have Be insurance compliant. behind it. Yeah, that's you right. You have compliance. And what was interesting, because they're backed by that, yeah. they don't have to go through the dealing yeah, with the compliance. Yeah, the whole process, yeah. Which is something that a lot of, like, uh, I noticed, like, a fintech company has to go through. Yeah. And so it's actually, it's almost like an ideal partnership. They just put on top of yeah. things. Yeah, that's right. And they right. don't have to worry about the compliance because, like, they're probably advising you based on like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do this yeah they have someone else who is compliant with them but because like they've been working with like Bendigo bank for six years yeah they had that a bit of an education before and a bit of an edge of understanding what's going on there and i like so they're obviously targeted at you know at, at a younger audience i like that they kind of you know started as a startup and, and rolled out a product initially as sort of as a beta that you know doesn't have everything you probably need from a full banking platform so i think they've been up and running for a, a october. year october last year yeah so it's not that no. not that long so in but they've been iterating throughout that process right so they, did, super they, fast. they didn't launch with a you know fully featured product so they had an mvp out there and they've been 
you know, adding features as they go. Yeah. Really interesting. So like, I think if I have to like choose um, which startup that stands out for me, I think up is like up there for me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> I, and it's just not because like I like that. It's just because like I've been looking for a product yeah. that kind of suit my ideals. And because I'm a startup person, yeah. I love, uh, and I've been looking at more product. And I think that's something that I notice Australian startups are suffering from compared to overseas. Okay. It's like a good product or an easy onboarding experience. Yeah, that's interesting. And how, so, and I, I love that stuff, right? I love customer service. I love good onboarding. I love, once you're on board, having good communication channels. And, and you're right. I think a lot of people think about the, the thing, right? The product, whatever it is, the, the app or the, and then they forget about a lot of the experience, the experience that goes along with that. Yeah, and like, uh, so I've been just going around and talking about it because like, they even have a, like a chat communication near the back end yeah. and they're like really fast and rapid in terms of like communications and stuff. So you don't have to go onto Twitter yeah. and complain. But so let, let, let's break it down then. What, what, because the, the actual, the benefits I can see from their, their service and I, I've just been running it with like a couple of accounts sort of a test to see if it's something that I can actually fully put all my money across to my personal money anyway. Um, well, well, you don't need to, right? As a business owner, um, you should probably allocate a set budget so then you don't go over your means. Yeah, that's right. So then what you do is like you just push X amount over onto yeah. up or like your own personal account, yeah. but you you're only allowed to touch that much. Yeah, that's right. And if you go over it, you know, deal with it or put more money into it, yeah. but it actually tells you what your expenditure is like. Mm. So it tracks it in a way that doesn't seem like um, heavy because a lot of people get really scared about spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think simple things like you know, actually pulling as much data as where transactions um, have come from as possible. So you'll often see on your on your statement like, you know, like Giglio and proprietary limited. Like what the hell is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll try and pull that that data, which is you know kind of simple stuff really. But it, 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 it from a user experience point of view, it's great, right? We, and um, it tells you how many times you have coffee at this place. Yeah. <laughs> and so all these little details is something that is like, do I really need that many coffees that day? Yeah. Or like, am I? What am I saving towards? Yeah. And then like, um, and they round it up as well, so it automatically goes into like whatever bank account you go to. Yeah. And I only say this because like I'm being really anal about my financial literacy in the last couple of months. Yeah. And if I like something, and it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense me so maybe it only fits me i don't think so though because i think so if we, if we go back to the barefoot investor and sort of the, the general principle is you sort of um you, you separate your buckets right so you have you have an income stream as as a you know as a freelancer or as a contractor that might be um a little bit sort of uh, dribs and drabs but um ho however you can manage it you, you pull a certain amount into your sort of necessities so mm -hmm. um you know staying alive paying rent um, food for the week, groceries, yep. insurance, these kind of things. Right? We should automate that as well. Yep. So then that way you don't have to like stress out about it. Yeah, it's so all set up. And you set that up. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even do that basic necessity. No. But, and, but the people like, um, when you feel like you have that money, you, you some people, the way I was, I yeah. felt like I was compelled to spend it. A hundred percent. So something from a business perspective that I did three or four years ago, because I was in, I had, I owed the, the tax, uh, the ATO money, and we're sort of paying money off there because I wasn't actually putting, you know, 30% of my you know, dollars I earned into another bank account. So we started doing that and GST as well. So I was like, why am I doing this at work and not in my personal life? And, and I'd always just spend all my money. Yeah. So as soon as you have that visibility, so this, this chunk is going to go here and you automate everything that needs to come out. And then you have, you know, a, a pot that you use for buying coffees or beers or whatever it might be during the week, sort of the wants that you have in your life. And there's yes. lots of them. Yes. 
and then also put stuff aside for saving or, or, or sort of crushing debt. And credit cards is something that's, you know, pretty bad. Um, in Australia as well. Yeah. And now there's Afterpay. Have yeah. you? I, yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got involved in it. Because, you know, that's a dangerous game. That would have killed me as a kid, though. Like, if I, as a teenager, it would have killed me. And I think they're targeting those kids, that 100%. demographic. Yeah. Because, like, I remember, like, doing lay-by. Yeah, lay-by, yeah. And, like, getting away with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry if I got away with it. But, like, that's, like, that's what's happening. And yeah. afterpay is, like, the concept of lay-by on oh, technology. 100%. And I'm, like, thinking, so that's super scary itself, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I feel like on some of the, I had, but it was more than that. Like, you had that basic necessity of, like, tools and utility. But I feel like I had to go beyond that and think about, like, where did I, you know, so who do I learn from like these basic stuff? Yeah. And I had to like find these mentors and even like go down to like um, the beginnings of time. Mm. Like, where did I learn all these habits from? And yeah. I had to look at to my parents. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Do you know like where, and if I have kids or you have kids, yeah. would you teach them how to like save 10%? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I bet I think I would. Yeah. I, and they'd probably be like, yeah, whatever, dad. <laughs> but they, they don't. But like, um, but I would like use up as a way to like yeah. keep account of my kids spending yeah 100 percent. and so the, the tools there so i went across the to, to ing you know th- through the from barefoot just because i actually started looking at the amount of bank fees i'd spend so that see we, we, we're going all nerdy yeah. and adult like this is super real adult talk right now isn't it like this is like reality and it's people reality don't, though people don't want to talk about it but no. it's almost like a is it a taboo but everyone deals with it's it it's taboo and i think especially in especially in the states not so i mean i think aussies are a bit better at talking about money in america like you don't you, you don't talk about money like with the it's you know, family and stuff it's, it's so. so emotional mm. and if people know how much money we make yeah. they're like hey can can't you give me that money? Yeah, no, no. no. It's like happens to me in <laughs> Vietnam a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I have to like... You're making money, so... But then you don't want to be too successful. If they know that you have a million dollars, it's not saying I have a million dollars, yeah. but saying if they imagine you have a million dollars in the bank, they probably come up to you and us and unconsciously yeah. say, hey, can you help me out here? I'm family. Using that guilt. Yeah, right. No, I think I was raised with really, um, sorry if my parents listen to this, they probably do, um, you know, not the best financial habits. Like it wasn't ingrained in me to save. So, and that, in one way, that's been fun because through my 20s, I traveled and I had these great experiences and I've, you know, done all this cool stuff. Um, and it hasn't put me in, into crippling debt, which is which is good. And and I think I, my uni was quite cheap when I went. So I don't have some of the crippling debt that a lot of, you know, kids have now where they've, especially like in the States, you know, huge, huge school debts. So we have... I have to say, Australia has it lucky. Yeah. But we complain a lot. We do. <laughs> we do have it quite lucky. And we have it, we have it quite lucky because we have good healthcare system, yep. basic healthcare is yep. look after. Mm-hmm. Um, the welfare is not that crazy. Yep. Or, like, it covers the basic needs. Yep. Um, but you people will expect to live a Lamborghini lifestyle, but I think that's, like, unrealistic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, my mum, like, um, she was a single mum, brought up five kids. Wow. So, yeah, like, all the money she gained, she had to, like right yeah so like so like i feel like i had that a bit of a habit of like she didn't taught me or we yeah. didn't have those financial yeah, conversations sure. in the first place but we seemed to like able to make do and like um if anything she just taught us how to uh if anything i, I always appreciate my mom is like how to like uh do, despite the shit that happens in your life mm. there's always like you could still make what you want to do from that shit that's great so and, and i think that you're sort of the embodiment of that right like you you go out there and you're a go-getter and you're making shit happen yeah. and you're creating your own destiny but then talking about personal budgeting and finance is kind of a boring thing on top of that it's like right no i'm you know i'm out i'm hustling and there's all these p- people around us here at pause fest um you know doing cool stuff 
but as we know in the startup world, it's a quick rise and it's also a very, very, very sharp fall. Yes. So, um, you know, looking at things that sort of potentially boring as budgeting actually really important. Is it boring or I is it scary? So. Yeah, scary. It's so scary. When we started having, the, me and my wife started having the conversation, I, I kept saying I want to do it. And then every time we went to do it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. It's I don't want to do it. Because it's emotional baggage, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we like... You see, you like yourself spending excellent. I was like, what the hell have I been spending yeah, on? Or yeah, something and like I that. spend too much. <laughs> and but it's okay to spend. It's not. It's just taking an ownership of like, hey, do I really need that? Yeah. Do, like sometimes I go shopping and I like hoard, yeah. and then I go at the end of it and I'm like, do I really need that? But it, so it's it's really psychological, and I my brain works well when I have like a goal or I have constraints, um, you know, in work or design or whatever it is, then I, I work a lot better or a deadline. Um, if it's just free, then I sort of, you know, I, I'll put stuff off or whatever it might be. And it's no different with this. So I just treat it as a game now, right? Like, so okay. I've got yep. X amount of dollars per month. I've got um, something like UpBank or ING I'm using as a main one, which is pretty good as well. So it gives you pretty um, you know, up-to-date uh, transaction history. What I really like is those things that you've automated out. So like uh, health insurance or car insurance, they all show up on the transaction as going out. So you sort of know what that real dollar figure is that's sitting there as opposed to... No, spending money you don't have and i've been like um so i was like also like playing games where it's like can i find the cheapest yeah. like fees or yeah. can i negotiate them because yeah. a lot of people are scared of sales as well yeah or like you know how can i diminish my cost of phones because i know what i do a lot of 40 gigabytes and coping has a good deal yeah, you but go. you just pay a couple of hundreds up front yeah. but you don't have to worry about like internet or phone for the next 12 months and i do think that i like you look at saying like so i was with people's choice bank years ago but we've kept some accounts there just because i've never shut them i'm paying six dollars fifty a month on like three accounts as i worked out it's like fourteen hundred dollars i've spent over the last you know four years just on account things. fees so just little things and SaaS as well so yeah. sometimes like you have to know what but this is like we're getting into business a bit yeah but all these little things adds up and especially so um that's like four coffees man yeah i mean three coffees as a freelancer or as a small business even as a big business so like we we do sort of quarterly checks on our on our SaaS products because so we just did it with adobe i don't know if you saw some of the threads around man, what, what's happening with adobe i have i'm planning to sorry adobe i've used you a lot of i own been apologetic but i used to love you when i was in high school nah, and don't uni. be apologetic adobe are like a they're like the big overlords now right yeah but like you know what i'm using the um affinity program okay they're returning to, to, um, to a lot of things that I use. Yeah. So, like, uh, um, but again, like, it's th- these things. Yeah. Like, Adobe Cloud has really upset their design community yeah, a lot. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, I mean, and we're so locked in, right? Like, I can't jump ship to anything anytime soon. But it's funny. So, someone had said, yeah, like, at, at over the ter- over Christmas, you can sort of talk to Adobe sales staff and they, they have this ability to sort of drop prices because they're trying to onboard people or whatever. They give them that ability. I started looking at that and then I realized on my personal uh, Adobe Cloud, which I've had since 2014, they've been paying me, I've been charging $10 more than what their most expensive package is now, wow. $85 a month and a $75 is the full cloud suite. So we contacted them and like, oh yeah, that was a clerical error four years ago. But I've got a good deal now, but yeah. it's crazy. Like you just but look yeah. at that and how much money is that? So they don't want to lose you. No, 100%. They don't want to lose you as a, a client. So they want to retain you because there's a lot more competitors out there. Yeah. And the only difference with like uh, Adobe is like they're on the cloud. Yeah. So you put up your library and digital assets over there. Oh, Sora is like someone I want to check out because they, yeah. 
because you know how we have so many file managements and digital assets and things like that. Yeah. How do you keep track of them? It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. So that's like one of the startups that I'm checking out as well because like um as a content creator as person who has to like manage different projects mm. sometimes like i'm like pretty bad at like project file management sure so having that like little tool would just help um, find things much easier and I, I mean i i sort of geek out and all those little SaaS products and tools that sort of help productivity or help us in the business or yeah. just my personal life as well it's interesting thinking about it you know adobe's kind of like they aren't that startup anymore. They're, they're that sort of big, you know, Microsoft of the, you know, the design world. And even though they've been sort of aligned forever from a, you know, desktop publishing point of view, yes, like who's gonna who's gonna come in? And I know the sketch and there's you know Canva, who are doing Canva is like, is crushing it. It is, but crushing like, it. but like they're focusing on like a particular market space. And it's not that professional level, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas like um, uh, but I do feel like um, part of the creative space that I've been talking about is like. Future of uh, the future of that we're living in right now, that I hope to see, mm. is want to increase creative vibes, or particularly I want to see more creative vibes in the world. Yeah. And I do feel like content creators are the new storytellers. Yeah. Um, or they've always been the storytellers, but they just started to become like a recognized pathway for a lot of people as a creative industry. But I realized that I'm um, working in the influence marketing space, and I get packaged. Some of the deal flows that comes in between the big brands and like the influencer seems very like disadvantaged sometimes yeah okay so you have to like do the work and then we pay you interesting and you what do the work and we want to see the outcomes is it outcome based or it's so outcome based wow. maybe because like um because like one thing that i learned about freelance is like a, a good freelancer like have good communications make sure that they follow through yeah. and then set dates and stuff like that and if you keep that word you always have work mm. right but like a lot of influencers i don't know if because it was like um it's because like like my theory is because like, there's young flaky people, yeah. so the standards of influencers goes down dramatically yeah, okay. because like the people that set the standard. Pull it down so for the you, rest. Yes, so you have like these weird things or weird loops that happen. Mm. It's like we don't pay you till you do the work and stuff like that, and people and they say that's normal practice. And it's like, is it really normal practice? That sounds like bullshit practice. Sounds like bullshit practice. It sounds like they're uh, you know extorting you know talent yeah, really. And I think um they like. Like, I'm kind of sad that happens, but I'm kind of in the industry anyway, so I got to see all this happening. Yeah. And then, like, if, if I have a bigger name or influence, I'll probably just, like, I can't do that anymore. I have to pay for my people as well. Yeah. So, for people that don't know, listening, sort of your career trajectory has been very heavily tied to video, would you, yes. would you say? Yes. Uh, we, we, uh, so, I feel like we didn't even jump into, well, like, intros we at didn't all. didn't do any intros. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and do the intro in the middle. <laughs> uh, but you just got into yeah. it because I think the financial literacy is yeah. such an important topic. Very important. And also, we were talking about before we kicked off the podcast, I mean, there's, there's, and you do a lot of interviewing yourself. There's, there's lots of, you know, probably interviews with you out there saying, like, who, who's string, right? So, yeah. I'm more interested just to have a chat at this point. Yeah. But uh, I think it's interesting, I suppose... Like where you sit, because you you travel around the world looking at looking at startups and looking at how people are creating content and storytelling and um, like what are some of the I suppose trends that you're seeing at the moment? Well, I feel like we have to go a little bit back because like Sam and I knew each other beforehand. How did you spotted me, Sam? I think Snapchat. Yeah. Started Snapchat for me. So it's like 2015. So like uh, I didn't realize that. I thought like I've been in the space for so long, but. Like I had like crazy growth yeah. when ever since Meekat Meekat died. Yeah. Then I went jumped onto Snapchat and usually when I like focus on something, you probably know that yeah. I tend to dominate. <laughs> I've, sort of, I've watched it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now like you see me just like went on from Snapchat to yeah. um, LinkedIn and then 
because I, what I learned in all those platforms mm. was able to like move on to any other different platforms. Yeah. And people always talk about content as being consistent. No, the reason why I was able to succeed is because I treated like myself, like a channel. Nice. Oh, you've just gone through all my questions I had here. <laughs> <laughs> in one go? Literally. It's like, um, what, what does consistency mean to you? Uh, it might be cliche to us, but how important is being human? <laughs> <laughs> but didn't you notice, like, I just answered in one yeah. succinct and, and Snapchat... L- luckily, we got 22 minutes of talking about budgeting <laughs> at the start. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder, you know what, I'm kind of curious, like, I would love to know if this content that we share out there yeah. would it resonate with the people that we expect to resonate or was just a good conversation between us. But like, because um, we talked it in a very tangible yeah. way. And I think um, a few things kind of exploded in me since I've like hanged out with you or last saw you. Yeah. It was pause. Yeah. And yeah, last year. Uh, yeah. And, you, and I realized like being in a one concentrated place mm. is an opportunity for like, yeah, 100%, which, we're, which we've both been doing for the last yes. couple of days. So, you know, like Sam asked me, he's like, how do you deal with like um, your energy level after 20 conversations? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it's interesting because content when you're on, online or whatever, doing this, yeah. it's like, how do you maintain energy yeah. and engagement, right? Yeah, 100%. So one thing that, that String does, which I like when you're doing on video uh, interviews, you like, have a little dance with the uh, with the guests and stuff, which which is strategic, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's totally strategic. It, it pumps you up, but yes. it also it, 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 it's an icebreaker for them. It puts it, you know it lightens the mood. People sometimes, even people that are you know keynote speakers, still have potential anxiety about being on camera or about being on a podcast. So it just kind of gives a level playing field. So when I did that, I also know that the first ten seconds in any video is super important. Yeah. And when I pushed that out onto my Facebook, everyone just like, why are they dancing? <laughs> Usually when you oh, start, capture that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you capture the first attention, yeah, right? Yeah. And a lot of people are like, why are they dancing? What are they so happy about? Because you only dance when you're happy. Yeah. Yeah, true. And well, you have some kind of good and, news. And feel comfortable. Yes. Right? Yes. Like people that, so th- I think one of the, like that, going back to that human element, one of the things that I liked when I came into Snapchat, so anyway, it wasn't that early in the piece. I was sort of probably, as a, as a business adopter, it was maybe, you know, around when that, it was happening, right? Yes, so, yes. You know, Gary V started talking about it, blah, blah, blah. You love Gary um, V. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. <laughs> Look at that, bro. Did you hear that little giggle? <laughs> but I mean, I, I felt like he was good. I, I like people like that as like a, a, a catalyst, but then I let go of it, right? Like I don't, I don't listen to any of his stuff anymore. It was, good, it was a good little like a like turbo boost of inspiration at a point in my career and life. Yeah, he, he's like uh, a point where it's like, you know, even I graduated from his content. Yeah. But there are people who need his content still and yeah. feel like they're being the aspiration and the inspiration that he gives. But how them. much? Do you, like, how much? Do you, I worry that people like him become kind of or like a Tony Robbins figure. Like at the, the core of what they all say is pretty similar, right? Like it's instead of just get shit done, yeah, um, get out there and do it, and and don't don't think about it, just do it and start and keep doing it and keep doing it. Like Seth Godin's the same. They, 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 everyone has a pretty similar message. It's pretty much like that. And but the, so why do these people, yeah. Seth? Gary, Tony, all the same same thing. Yeah. It's because like people don't want to do it. People don't want to do it. So I think the people Oh, it's not people don't want to do it. They're, they're scared. scared. They're scared of doing it. Yeah. And it's easy to watch, you know, Gary or Seth or read Seth and just go like, great. And, and feel as if, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, but that's not actually the first step. The first step is probably turning YouTube off and going and doing whatever you're going to do. And that's the, that's the really scary part. So you mean stop being a consumer and stop being a maker? Yeah, it's being a creator, right? Stop being, yeah. Um, and a lot of people get like, um, like one of my students who saw my, my virtual hive mind, 
or like mastermind mm. they were saying that we go through phases a little bit yeah. where like we're super excited we make and then we get get jobs and we stop making content yeah well the other one is like um, we feel like the, there's no impact yeah. to become like uh, lose confidence mm -hmm. so these little things happens along the way of the journey of the content creator yeah and but the con a lot of people don't realize that it's like there's no such thing as an overnight success my 100%. success was like a probably a 10-year journey yeah 100% and I, I mean I was talking with Stephen Gates uh, from InVision uh, a couple of days ago about about that and he from a design perspective he's saying he hates that you know that that end little you know snippet on dribble is what's is what sort of uh, you know, lauded and everyone goes, wow, look at that design. But it's, you know, it's that 10 years. It's, it's all the hard yards that have gone to get to that point. That's actually the, the, the grid of it or the, the core of it. Yeah. Um, so like, I think video was definitely my, um, maybe because like, I didn't, I didn't care. Yeah. Like I wasn't like a talent that wanted to like entertain people. Yeah. It wasn't me just being in front of the camera and sharing my insights. But because like, um, I call myself a storyteller. Yeah. I just use all the skill sets that I learned previously mm. and put it onto camera. But then, like, I'm a marketer as well, so I'm always optimizing. Yep. And because of those, like, techniques that I've, like, picked up in the last things and learning how to do community management and, like, navigate it and even use conversation. Like, uh, I treat it like a garden. Like, I have, like, uh, if you look at my LinkedIn, there's a video or copy. Yeah. And the conversations happen. That's right, and so it's, it, that that sort of kickstarts things, right? Yeah. So the thing that I loved when I came into Snapchat was there was people like yourself um, and biz, business owners and, and people doing cool stuff in the states, just having very, very human, non-produced, non-edit, non-edited. I think is specific there and key conversations where you're just essentially talking to your phone, but it's kind of uh, vulnerable and personal, and well, the bullshit was kind of taken away from it. I think that the, the fact of that it wasn't. I mean, it kind of could have been, but it, it wasn't edited. It was like pretty much on the fly. So I think that's like people like um, professionals are scared of that kind of look. Very scared. Um, because it doesn't look professional. Is yeah. it professional? What is professional? 100%. And is it production? Yeah. People expect production level. But then with like um, content is so much easier to produce with your phone these days. Yeah. And people are so surprised. Like, did you do that with your phone? Like, mm. yep. But I, I had to say I... Like I have no expertise on like what the frame looks like or anything like that. Sure. But my content delivery is like my role is to be on front of the camera. Yeah. And navigate the conversation. But I think that people and I think people stressing about the tech and the the thing is just another fear factor, just blocking actually getting it done, right? Mm -hmm. Just like and that if you go back to you know a Seth Godin and if you want to go back and get another hit of inspiration from it, it's like just who cares about all that stuff? Just get the whatever whatever means you can to make something and make it yep. and, and then you know it'll, it'll be shit it, it won't be great if you go back and look at those old videos you'll cringe but then keep keep making them so you were like i was like going onto my old youtube and i was watching like my <laughs> first earlier uploads yeah it's so cringeworthy yeah cringeworthy right it's so cringeworthy and i'm like even scared of sharing it <laughs> and then i looked at my early meerkat ones and i'm like cringeworthy and i'm like but i don't want to delete it yeah. because it's like like my instagram is a terrible example Oh, also an example of like me just documenting my journey yeah. not curated it. yeah and it's like my first upload was just not even showing my face it's just the last couple of years that I show more of my face so I think that like so you came from Meerkat you built quite a big audience and then Meerkat died and you essentially jumped over to Snapchat and, and you know well like other video platforms yeah. in between yeah, but sure. Snapchat was the one that I kicked off on again yeah. so like Meerkat died in six months Blab died in six months Snapchat 
I gave myself a year-ish to like monetize it, but it was one of the difficult ones. Yeah. I, I did monetize it, but not on a consistent basis. Yeah. And then the day that I wanted to switch over to Instagram, because I know Instagram is going to be the next hot thing yeah. for video specifically, yeah. was when uh, LinkedIn knocked on my door yeah. like this. Stream, do you want to have access to our video That's on LinkedIn? Right. It's the day when I exploded and focused. And was that, was that the start of last year or the year before? It's like... October last, oh, two years. Two thousand seventeen October. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I got video access. I think in like Jan last year. So you yeah, had like yeah. a couple of months of. Yeah, but then I used that to my advantage, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. So I used it because no one in Australia had access yeah. to video, well, and killed it. and I killed it yeah. because I was like, because um, my, and then since then I've been able to, won two LinkedIn awards, got um, able to monetize my content and stuff like that, and now I'm like I'm focused on distribution and like oh I'll go bid on my next grand endeavor is youtube yeah cool and so you so i think what you did with linkedin was you you brought a human element to a to a, a platform that was uh had been changing i think in terms of how they were trying to structure it obviously it was a business platform traditionally and it was quite segment yeah you know, it didn't it, it wasn't the, the actual software wasn't good for conversation but they kind of improved the feed i think and, and made it more possible to have conversation and get things out there yes but then you know you were sort of that first wave of character coming into into LinkedIn and then people having you know putting aside the, the the suit and the lights and doing like an an old school ad you know this is my this is my speech and saying like hey you know we're, the same stuff that we had seen happening on, on Snapchat and Meerkat and these other platforms but that wasn't that wasn't there on LinkedIn yeah um so LinkedIn has an unfair advantage of having 500 million users yeah. on board but they're not even active I'm wondering how many are active yeah. daily but still I have like an amount the eyeballs was like um, something that I was like able to leverage off, and people, people when they see my face, like one my, someone says like string my new housemate is from Netherlands, and I was saying I had a meeting with you. She's like she does video on LinkedIn and she talks about fried chicken a lot. And it's like <laughs> is it string, <laughs> and and like that fried chicken is the other thing that like gave yeah. me that point of difference as well yeah um video and people just like had why do you talk about fried chicken so I was like i just like it so i remember i think the first time we actually properly met um was it in a barbecue place in port adelaide and in, you in took SA. me yeah. yeah yeah took you and then and you were telling me about i think that was early days of the, we, were, we were eating fried it wasn't the best fried chicken but we were eating fried chicken yes sorry to the low and slow boys um and you were like, yeah, this is, you know, this is going to become, you know, part of my brand, right? And, and you're, like, <laughs> you're, you're laughing because you do a branding yeah. yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, I think that's, that's cool, right? And like, and you've, I mean, you, it's funny. How, how, do you think you need to take it as sort of, as far as you've done it? Like, you really, like, you, you own fried chicken, right? Do I own it? Do you think I just embrace it or I just gleefully just use it as part of my, like, Well, you, you, you gleefully use it, but now you own it, right? It's, it's sort of become intrinsic to you. Well, like, um, uh, so people who follow me, why do I use the idea of fried chicken? Because it's like a visual anchor or my own logo, the way I did it. But uh, every time you see KFC, and now you go see it, it's like, uh, when you see KFC, yeah. you go think of this string girl who yeah. loves fried chicken. And, like, sometimes they take it, like, my friends and audience, around the world would take pictures of fried chicken and yeah. send it to me or say any relevant fried chicken like clothing fashion <laughs> clothes people like stickers any reference like even kc references and then send it to me so every day in my inbox i get i receive some kind of story about fried chicken it's kind of another icebreaker though isn't it it is so, it is yeah, yeah and people who like to um, use the word fried chicken with me i know these are the people that like watch my content yeah. are part of my community and people who re like who gets my jokes 
So let's go back to LinkedIn. So I noticed you had a post up the other day about it, it becoming, there being more trolling on there. And, and so the thing that was so good about LinkedIn the last couple of years was engagement level was really high and it was really good, like pure engagement. Like you actually got cut through and conversations started and it wasn't, you know, like Instagram stories are good, but if Instagram as a platform kind of got killed by bots, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's very hard to have real engagement. You can do it, but it, it kind of sucks. Yeah, because it's flooded by people who want to sell one hundred dollars photos. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and, and people and people that businesses that are willing to pay for vanity metrics, um, and kind of spoiled the platform in the in the in the in the, in the way of doing that. Um, so LinkedIn, I noticed like, I, I guess like the my theory of content is like on there's a scale. Yeah. One side we have candy content. Yeah. And the other side we have substance content. And candy content is like things that entertain you or yep. like visually appeals to your eyes. Mm. Think of Kim Kardashians, yep. think of prank videos that make you laugh, things of um, even like food porn fits into there, yep. um, pet pictures, anything that makes you smile or like it's very emotive. Yep. It's like geared towards like entertaining you, right? Sure. That's candy content. On the other side, which I feel like more business people and professionals like to sit on, yep. is content that helps you grow, whether it be your brain power, knowledge heart to be a better human or your hip pocket yep and uh, tony robbins fits into that gary b fits into that like seth godin fits into that anyone who wants to be an expert usually fits into that space um and but how do you like combine those two things together yeah. because that, that's the problem with like linkedin is you get all these like dry content so you have like the character ones yeah. who are who are showing off a little bit of skin who are like creating content that's like almost they said go on facebook almost yeah. Um, but those can, content, candy content is mm. great for better internet. Yeah. But if you want conversion, you have to focus on like the educational or the value-based content, which is in the grocery. But what if you have a sweet spot where you're able to be the candy, you have candy with a brain? 100%. Why not? Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, people like to be entertained, right? Like yes. people don't like dry, boring content. It's actually, video has like a difference of like... Um, you have to know how to be grab people's attention and maintain it. If you don't know how to grab people's attention and maintain it, they just go switch off and move on. Yeah. So video is almost purely an intention economy game. What do you think? So like you're in the, and, and, and we're kind of similar, you're in the lucky position as well as being able to be quite meta about, you know, you're talking about the thing that you, you sell essentially. Yeah, right? I, I'm very meta. <laughs> like Snapchat on Snapchat, <laughs> Meekat on Meekat, yeah. LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Um, but what about... Like, do you see? Because I, I worry about business owners all wanting to, to be the you know the Gary V's of the world, and, and it, so and I don't think every business owner, no, no business owner is going to be Gary V, right? That, that's yes. it's kind of a unicorn. Okay, let's go back a little bit about the troll thing. Yeah. So we've seen all these like behaviors and things like that, but I always question because I've been actually collecting content around it and people getting people's response, and everyone says ignore it, mm. but you can't. It's actually every comment, whether it be good or bad, is a a trigger to an algorithm as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, like, but you need as if you're a content creator who wants to be in the limelight. Yeah. You have to learn how to be your own PR. Yeah. Gary V is actually a good PR person. 100%. He knows how to like flip the conversation to suit his message. Yeah. And that's what I learned. So I've been learning how to throw fried chicken bones at the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know what's original KFC? People laugh. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but it goes back into my messaging. Yeah. And when people like um, say, "Are you flirting with me?" I said, "Nope." Yeah. and put a thumbs down and then they actually have a conversation with me yeah. so you have to but you have to remember like a negative content or a negative energy you send out to the world is actually left 
by your digital footprint. Yeah. And professional capacity, like it's actually not a good thing for you to like leave a negative comment because people in your workforce are going to see it as yeah, well. 100%. And in many ways, you are representing of these companies that you are. So do people want to work with someone who gives out negative vibes? I don't think so, no. 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 So you're actually losing business. Yeah. It's like it's actually a judgment to your brand and company. It's a judgment on, you, on, your, on your person, yeah. I think, as but well. But it's also like um, when you like play that game, mm. like they these content creators are smart. They're yeah. not, like they know that by playing the candy game, yeah. they will get their value. Oh, and also getting so playing the controversial game, right? Yep. So I yep. mean, the, the the algorithm on LinkedIn is not that hard to kind of tweak. So that you can yes, yes, but it's more like um, based on like all the history that we know. Yeah. Clickbait, anything that triggers your emotions, whether it be anger, being polarizing, yeah. the pain on the fear, mm. gets the lost the most views. Hundred percent. So people like if you know these basic um, formulas of like what is a content, you yeah. could just trigger and like be this angry person. But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable and it doesn't. So uh, we've got a few clients that have really big um, social bases um, and they do yeah, influencer work. If they start trying to do things outside of their sphere of expertise, like you want to start talking about you know, water if you're in the ag health industry or whatever, like people don't, people, that, that, they just, they're, they're silent, right? Like yeah. There's a, it's almost better to be sort of laser focused and have your people and talk to your people, if it's five people or if it's five million people. And but people are like, this is the conversations a lot of companies have. They're scared of doing content and they've got no eyeballs, but they're not willing to put their foundation and consistency on being the channel in the first place. Yeah. And but like social media only has been around for maybe a little over ten years. Yeah. It's only now like companies and small business owners are starting to realize that they need to maintain a channel. Yeah. And so, and that's what you talk about a lot is creating a channel, um, and you can see from the way that you sort of you know jumped around platforms that it's not, it's not something that has to be. You don't have to be great on every channel. Like yes. Do you want my like? So I've been learning how to be more like a string theory more than a yeah. string story. Yeah. <laughs> and creating frameworks. So we, I'm going to show you with like my yes. um, social media formula. Please. Right. Uh, Facebook, I like fried chicken. Yeah. Twitter, oh, yeah, I so like nice. hashtag fried yeah. chicken. <laughs> Uh, Spotify is listen to all my like playlists of rap songs about fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram is check out my food corner fried chicken. YouTube watch me eat fried chicken. Nice. And uh, like as you could tell, like doesn't matter what social platform it is, mm. it's the messaging is the same, but the delivery of content is. Yeah. And so from a let, let's let's take it back to a you know a more cut and dry. We're an accounting practices firm, right? Looking across those those sort of five uh, those five channels you might not fit into one of those channels. So you don't have to be in that channel. And you go whether like you, um, a lot of people think they need to be everywhere, yeah. but you don't. It's like you go whether your customers are hanging out, yeah. but you have to understand what your customers' needs are. Yeah. Because I'm not an expert in accounting. Yeah. Not at all. You're the expert in accounting. I'm just telling you what the formula is, mm. so, or the formula strategy is so that you could do it as well. But you're better off with a copywriter who understands the finance industry, yeah. or find business owners are having the same problems and you just like provide solutions for them so find the problem and then create content around it How, like do you you sort of create all of your own content essentially i know you work with other people that, that assist you as well but I, I i worry about a lot of these agencies that are coming up you know doing social media work for businesses and they don't really care about i think the core of what the storytelling is they're just like we'll, we'll just make content for you and put it out there but they haven't really they haven't nailed one the the story behind the brand and what the narrative is 
um, that's your point of difference. Is if everyone does what you do, right, you'd be out of business. <laughs> yeah, <then>. sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and we, and we really care about the story behind things, and we've really interesting chats with some people doing, you know, much more. Uh, philanthropic stuff than, than what we do, you know, trying try to change the world, but, you know, using a similar approach in, you know, talking to people and working out the, the why behind things before you execute. Um, so the why is the most important part because it's like, why should we like, it's, it's like the tribe thing, right? Yeah. You rather like work with people or like have audience with people yeah. with, or like work with clients who have similar visions and values. Yeah, that's right. And like, you know, at the end of the day, people are people. Mm-hmm. We do business with people, not business with business. Yeah. Hundred percent, and I think businesses fail to understand that. And so, not every business owner needs to be on LinkedIn doing video. Like, but it'll work for some people. But I think looking at the options that are available. So, like, we've stopped doing video as much. I used to do a lot of video. I noticed. And now, using this this podcast as a platform because it. But it's much more easier and more sustainable for you. More sustainable, easier. I mean, from a purely business perspective, I've noticed like a better ROI on it. So yeah, and plus you need and you want to maintain that. Yeah. Um. Like, I feel like some people. When you start out, you have to find out which is the channel that's yeah, yeah. best for you. Yeah. But you have to do these little experiments and be agile enough to like switch over. But you, I think, what happens is you collect enough data points yeah. that you can, like um, use that data for what you learn from Snapchat and all the previous one and, and optimize it to the channel that you think has the best ROI. And content is a shitload of work, right? Like if you yes. if you want to like if we want to if I wanted to do this podcast, so we've got you know we do one a week. There's three of us that work on it. We've literally got um, Nate who works one full day a week, you know, editing, doing social content for it. Like, it's it's, it's work, it's right? Right, right. Um, and then if you add it on top of that, if you look at, like, like what a, a Gary might do, like, the blogging, like, there's... He a has te- a team. A team of people that are putting this content out. Speaking of Gary Vee's, let's go back to the other gripe that you were talking about. You yeah. have, like... Um, <laughs> sorry, what Sam was saying that there's all of a sudden... There's like this new rock star thing where yeah. like you become the next, yeah, like remember, it might be. yeah, like the next Gary Vee, yeah. like, and old everyone Rich, or the old Richard Branson, you know, well, everyone wants to be Richard Branson. What, what do you think is the like the Richard Branson, like the rock star, the limelight person, yeah. the influencer, yeah. the, the visionary person, the inspirer? Like, but dude, you worked so hard to be where sure. he is, right? Yeah. And the the other thing that a lot of LinkedIn people are doing is like, I'm a speaker, but what? Do they have a speaker? Yeah. That I was on LinkedIn and I became famous. <laughs> I know, and I think that, I, and I, I almost feel like you know I, I don't actually watch as much video as I used to on LinkedIn because there's a lot of you know horrible stuff out there too, and I think it's great people are having a go. But if you don't have something interesting to say and you, and you can't you know find your kind of groove or it doesn't feel right, then it's probably you know not right. But I, I do feel like what's happening right now is like the nine to five job factory of school that we call the school system yeah. is educating sheep. Yeah, hundred percent. Sheep, sheeple. Sheeple. Uh, and um, these sheeples are coming to the point where it's like, what have I been doing all my life? Yeah. So what do I need to do to find my own voice? Mm. And so they're using these like LinkedIn platforms to experiment and things. And I'm like, and that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And but there's like also thought leaders. Yeah. And people who have become like inspirational kind of coaches yeah. and like that's because that's like you know like sheep will need shepherds yeah, yeah so i kind definitely. of see like this trend of like coaches and people are leveraging on these coaches because they need someone who they feel like is successful who could motivate them to like escape this sheep mentality right yeah so i kind of in you say like you're a business owner you yeah. got your shit together yeah like but you have to remember there are other people we're like the lucky few to get to do what we love yeah 
So it's not like, like people are trying to find their passion on the spark. Mm. So I kind of get it. It's like everyone asks me the same question before. And when I was busy or like worrying about my work, yeah. like I lashed out, I lashed out. So sorry to the people who <laughs> met their angry streak. Um, but like, like I realized like, you know, um, the reality is like when someone asks you, can I pick your brain? That's yeah. like, no, you should pay for that. Like that privilege. Sure. Uh, or like, um, or join the community or like just be like, um, realize that there's a way of approaching people that you really want to inspire or meet and stuff like that as but well. I think you cop, I don't cop this at all, but I know that you get it a lot, you know, people sort of slide into your DMs or, or, or message you on whatever platform it is. And like, I think because of the way you produce your content, they sort of feel like they kind of know you already, but then come across way too personal. And I'm not even talking about untoward stuff. I'm just talking about, you know, people sort of you know, demanding your time, thinking yep. that you just have an infinite amount of time to give. No, like, but then, so I've been lucky enough to, so I've, like what I learned with Meerkat and like thing and LinkedIn was like, I'm just going to be a full leader, but I positioned myself as a business as well. Yeah. So I wasn't too much candy, Yeah. but my face is candy. So I get away with that. Yeah. But I have to be like, so I had to like, uh, I'm not going to show, there's certain th attributes I know will attract unsavory attention. Yeah, so and set boundaries. Yeah, so I set my own boundaries because I wanna, don't want to be known as someone who's not, like, stream knows how to play the video and engages the people and yeah. knows how to like have conversations, right? Like, people will say, so how come you don't have any much trolls? It's because, one, I probably name and shame them. <laughs> and I, I love collecting stories. Mm. So I document everything that I thought was funny. Yeah. Usually people who try to call me darling or, <laughs> or like try to like ask me for dates. By the way, I have a boyfriend, but it doesn't matter about that. They, I actually used to document them yeah. and I did that a lot. Remember with Snapchat? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I call them my eggplant series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That was laughs> I'm, I'm not going to talk about my eggplant series, but I realized <laughs> because I treated myself with such respect mm. and I like was very serious about my business that every time like I just attracted, like, I was also focusing on the type of people that I want to work with. Yeah, sure. So I wasn't, like, a channel where I'm, like, was known for candy. I'm a channel that's going to, like, focus on being, focus on conversions. Yeah. Focus on influencing and creating a sustainable business on content creation because I'm not going to run away from this game. Yeah, instead of attracting the, you know, attracting your tribe and not trying to broadcast so wide and far that you're sort yeah. of attracting the wrong... Well, like, I've realized I've hit more of a mainstream appeal a little bit. So, like, I have to still talk about that because I know that that's uh, the yeah, something sure. thing. But there's some specialties where, like, certain... But my only specialty, is, I guess, is video, right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's probably more things that come around there now because the experience that you've, you know, just built doing it. So, it's like, um, because of these eyeballs, mm. what do I do with it next? What do you do to what next? What, 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 what is next? Well, like, people keep on asking me the same questions about how do I do, like gain confidence on video. Yeah. So I created a community of video storytellers or professionals to become better video storytellers. Yeah. And where they upload their videos and they get peer community feedback on how to like improve their videos one step at a time. Sure. And I find that that's a way for them to be comfortable with you, gamify it, get challenges of it. And what happens is like I see people from their first video yeah. to their like 100th video and they see the major difference. But they have like a place, a safe space where they could like become that. And is this mostly, I mean, is it small business owners? Is it freelancers? Is it just professionals? Yeah, professionals. Well, like I find it's professionals, whether it be freelance, because every person wants, 
it's mostly people who want to be in front of the camera. Yeah. And I give them a platform to say, is that for me or not for me? Yeah. Or gain confidence to be themselves on camera. Because if you could like deliver that sparkle of your energy and like pass that energy over onto the next person. Yeah. Because, you know, camera is like a very lonely <laughs> it is. content creation. Yeah. You're talking to no one on the other side, but you know there'd be one person watching it. Yeah. So you have to like visualize who you're talking to. Um, but you give them, but at least with the community, you feel like there's eyeballs looking at you. Yeah. And the worst thing that most people do is upload a video that has no views. Sure. Oh, no audience. But that, I mean, and that that's always going to be the start, right? So, and you, and I think you have to that first view or that second view. You really have to, you know, you double down on those people and you know, and and create that conversation. And you know that they'll look back and say, you know, when you got fifty views, I was one of the first persons that was, you know, involved. My meerkat, I had zero people watching yeah. me. Yeah. Zero. You kept, you kept plugging away. Yeah, that's because like, I didn't care if I had one or two. <laughs> uh, and then, but people kept on having conversations with me. Then I like just learned how to gamify things. I just made it fun. Yeah. I think, but I think a lot of business owners think that it shouldn't be fun. But it, the, the, it should be. The Why? Fun is where the, the, I was talking to um, Michael Dixon, who does the, the band uh, stuff here at Pause. They had a really good chat with him. Same stuff we we're talking about. You know, people going through these monotonous lives and not really realizing they're alive um, until maybe something will wake them up and they're like, shit, what have I been doing? Mm -hmm. why, should, why, why should business be boring? Business should be fun. So like, that's because like you found a business that, that you are able to collect your passion is. Yeah. That's where the creativity, like I feel like creative people have this like, un, they will do that job anyway if they paid no money or no money because yeah. they love it, right? Which is kind of detrimental to our like community. But that's the difference between like a lot of people, like we're able to like, um, transfer passion over to what we believe in and people want that passion definitely but i can see as businesses scale you almost you can get sucked into a bit of i suppose that more of that formulaic approach and the systems you know, right yeah yeah 100 yeah, percent. and so it's kind of nice to bolt yourself out of that sometimes so yes. we, when we do this podcast sometimes people will say well can you send me through a list of questions that you're going to ask or what's the format going to be and they're sort of business owners they're sort of worried about how they're going to represent themselves and i'm yes. like no, there's, there's, we're just going to chat we'll see but, where we go but you should just give it to them anyway it's yeah. like they just need to know what oh, so we, we, we'll send them through broad topics right yes, but yes. i don't I, to, to sort of you know make them feel comfortable yes but, but it, that's what i realized when i talked to my friends yeah. you are like anal a little bit yeah. they do need some kind oh, yeah, of like definitely. framework around them so they know that they could prepare yeah, and yeah. be comfortable yeah and i do that too because i just want to know what the topic is yeah otherwise i will like take over and navigate <laughs> the conversation and it is i mean it's experience too though right so i think that you know those early snapchat days um of just talking at the camera with like very few people initially watching and finding like a little bit of a community where there was you know other Ooh, people the hardest like i have to say snapchat was the hardest place to yeah, like grow it was it was really hard really hard but that that helped you know do other things do video and do do these you know kind of things where you can chat and i think that I reckon even if people, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you teach people to get in. Even if you're just sitting there to start recording stuff for yourself, you know, and just so you can get the, get the hang of it, and you don't even don't even ship it out there, but just you know, or give it to some close friends or something. Um, Do you find that your friends watch your stuff, or they don't ever watch it? Like people that are close to you. Like sometimes they just like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, that'd be a hundred percent. Um, and I I realized like um, people have been requesting like, when are you going to do more interviews? Yeah. So it's like they've been demanding certain types, but I've been waiting. Like I slowed down a little bit because yeah. I'm re-strategizing like 
you know, where are my next set of energy? Because I have to do what you do. Yeah. Like I have to focus all my energy thing. And LinkedIn has like given me more features and stuff like that. But yeah. I'm thinking it's like, how do I grow my like I'm YouTube. like YouTube at the same time? Mm. Because at the end of the day, LinkedIn doesn't really categorize or catalog or no. place things like that. And um, I know like the conversations, mm. like it's almost like this, these conversations that you and I have, yeah. it's something that I do almost on a daily basis. Yeah. So I need to like somehow capture those moments yeah. better. Yeah. And like, does that mean I have to have a production team or does that mean I have to partner up with someone who gives me that show format? Yeah. Um, all these little things is something that I have to figure out or I have to package it up and ask someone to sponsor these things. But you've, you've always been wanting to go to that show format. So you used to talk a lot about, um, so I, I know, I know, didn't say it's consistency but consistency in when you did what so you had like tech tuesdays or whatever it was yeah, yeah. that you used to on, do yeah, on that's, snapchat because on snapchat it was really hard to do programs yeah so he told me he had like like um like format you, stuff he yeah. told me so much about format um and all those little things though it's like if you're like even if you have to be a channel about one thing per week yeah and you show that what happens is it's like people just rock up just yeah, knowing they that keep you're showing that, up that you they know that you'll like go like rock up and do this show yeah. but if you do it live there's even more accountability in the place yeah. to say you have to be on time and i think the exciting thing like take it away from business for a second like we all have these like varied interests right like in our lives and we live in the world where the most crazy niche interest has a lot of eyeballs on it right like there's there's nothing that sort of can't be talked about you couldn't create content around well, like, you can't do everything you see shit content everywhere yeah. <laughs> so like how hard is it to create good content it's not that hard. I mean, it, it for us, it, I have to say, but like, what is a good content? Tell yeah. me what is good content. Like, let's go to the basic question. What do you think is a good content for you? A good what piece of content is just something that, that captures my attention and that, that what captures your attention. It, I mean, it has to be something that's close to me, right? So, um, and I, I'm, I, you do stick in your channels. So, I'm, I'm, I'm really, let's say, I'm not captured by Kim Kardashian, but I'm, I will be captured by. You know, like a, a barbecue tutorial video. Or a, yeah, know, that's because it goes in your interest. That's right. And you love Joe Rogan, right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've kind of a, a bit of him. But yeah, Joe, um, he had a huge impact. Yeah. So he had a huge... People go on and off with him because yeah. he had just like these wonderful meandering conversations. It's just a lot of content. Too. I don't have enough time to listen to it. He doesn't, but people put, still put him on because yeah. they know that there's something interesting. So if they yeah. haven't heard from him for a couple of months, yeah. they could always go back and just pick and Jump choose, back right? In. Yeah. And, but he made a living out of that. Yeah, and, great living. Um, Good content is somewhere as like again like if you can provide if, like the next generation is like b2b influencers or yeah. like business influencers and we're seeing that but they never moved on to online because yeah. they've always been speakers sure or they've been like something else like mm. but the format is like everyone is a speaker there which can get you 10k but yeah. what if you are a speaker with a distribution channel yeah that's right and then like your value even goes more point of difference because that's a marketing tool to promote your speaking gigs as well or your books that you're coming did you see that um, Spotify bought Gimlet Media for 230 Yeah, million? but Jesus, yeah. big Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they make sense because like they have like, they just want more content. More content, yeah. And they want, and they also, have you noticed that like Spotify has opened up a, a podcast up? Yeah, yeah. So that makes total sense. Well, that, and that, I mean, that that's the first, I think they're saying they're going to spend 500 mil in the next year on, on, on content essentially. So it kind of shows like podcasts like yourself, Sam. Mm. It means like you have to be on Giblet yeah. or you have to be on Spotify. So then you could like hook into the distribution system. Yeah, that's right. And it's, uh, it, I mean, yeah, it's interesting to see, like I followed um, Gimlet from the start um, and, you know, they started off as a very small thing and just, and, and quite, you know, the conversations they were having, the, the shows like Reply or was the show I really love, you know, it wasn't anything that, 
fancy to start with. There's a couple of people geeking out and having interesting conversations about things that they only thought they probably found interesting. Yep. But then they found this huge audience. Same with like a Rogan, right? Like it's just a hu- you wouldn't have thought if Rogan had pitched his podcast to a corporate seven years ago, they would have been like, fuck off. Yep. But do you know what? A lot of people think they have to be awesome at the beginning. Yeah, you know, you don't need to be awesome. You just need to start. And, and, if, and if, if you're passionate, I think if you... Oh, what was the quote yesterday? Like, if you're interested, you'll be interesting. Yes. Well, like, um, I think that's probably one of the things that I, um, my friend says, like, Strange, you're like, you always want to learn. Yeah. You want to geek out. Like, yeah. I know nothing about <laughs> maths. I'm terrible at maths. I almost failed. But, like, if you give me a mathematician who'll geek out with me, yeah. I'll ask him everything and then yeah. everything that I need. Because, like, that, at least, like, the biggest respect that I could have with someone who goes on to my show or anything like that is having a good conversation out of it mm. and if they say I don't want you to put that content onto that thing I'm like I'm happy to edit it yeah, out yeah, and sure. stuff like that yeah. so that's like the trust factor that I have to have with my like person who attends my show yeah. but I have to like navigate the conversation to be the best person that you can be mm. and I think I, I mean listening is the biggest one right so mm-hmm. I think really like whoever it is that's sitting across the table for you or sitting next to you when you're chatting like just if, if, if they see that you're actually listening and passionate about what you're talking about, then pe- you know people that have passion, they'll talk forever about what it is. They're yeah, because like, they're all experts. I went to a quantum physics, quantum computing lab, know nothing about it. Yeah. Still learn a lot about oh, it. Oh, imagine. I mean, and those, I mean people, I, that, and that stuff's sort of way beyond me as well. But I, and when I hear, like, especially like space talk, and it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. But you, like, and Joe Rogan does a good job of like navigating that conversation yeah. and make it simpler for like bringing it down to it in a way that like makes it easier for everyone else. But remember this the more he chats with these type of people, the more, more he learns. Like, yeah. Yes. And that's why it's so great doing, I think we're lucky to be doing what we've done the last couple of days and having lots of conversations. Like I've got to talk to people that I would not normally get to speak to in my day-to-day life. And But you've been using their product. Yeah, that's right. And then isn't that cool that you got to see yes. like, the team behind them? So and cool. now like you have that like that little connection yeah. since then, right? Yep. And that, I mean, just for people that are listening that would like to start saying, this is like, you know, I don't, I didn't, we don't have a huge platform to begin with. Like essentially just, you start something and you ask questions, right? Like I, I asked you, like, you put me in touch with uh, George so that we could potentially do this podcast in here. It's just it, asking. Yeah. Like what's the worst you could say? No. And then what happens then? You ask again. <laughs> <laughs> and look, so this year I haven't like, um, pause like was one of the like bouncing points where I like started realizing on how to like do conferences and things yeah. and interviews but my interview skills has jumped since then yeah. and I'm not doing any like pause specific yeah. content but I'm using it as a way to like collect content anyway yeah. so if anyone's listening out here a good way to polish your content or like have access to speakers yeah. is to request an interview Yep. And I think even outside of that, even if you're not going to record it, if you're com- like coming down to something like a pause fest, actually go out and or go on to uh, go on to social and just request to have a chat or find someone in the forum and have a chat. Because talking to you know those people that are, have done maybe more of the journey than you is a really great way to leapfrog. Yeah, but just don't say, can I pick your brain? Yeah, sure. Please don't say that. Just <laughs> say respect some- their time, I think, as yeah. well. It's just like, hey, man, like I've been following your journey a yeah. long time and I'm also studying my journey. I'd love to have some key pointers. And I hope I could gain, uh, give you some kind of some value. value too. Yeah. Pick yeah. your brain is actually a really horrible turn of phrase, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's like, well, it's no. a thing called value exchange. Yeah. So if you could provide value by like um, being able to promote them, yeah. they appreciate that coming. I think, I think maybe some people undervalue their own value, right? They, think, they well, do, I they have, do. Yeah. They do. And Australians do that tremendously. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And do you, do you see that, like, especially like traveling? I think, like, in the States, people are, 
are maybe a little bit better sort of uh well like it's almost like because like talk up syndrome is like innate in us where we're not yeah. allowed to brag but we're allowed to be proud there's a difference right you don't want to brag and say how awesome i am look yeah. at my ego or whatever but there's a there's a way where you could like um promote your business mm. and say how awesome is my business yeah because you don't want to like hide how awesome your business no, is. no that's right and then, it, in australia you definitely have to kind of walk a fine line because it, it, people don't like that kind of you know braggadocio yeah like in i learned how to like so i said instead of bragging i just use numbers it's like yeah. what does top voice means it means in uh, within like 500 million users on LinkedIn worldwide, I'm probably the top 300. Wow. See that? See how I contextualize that? Yeah, yeah. Do you see that was a wow factor, yeah. right? But I use numbers. Yeah. To just you know, it's like I'm really good at LinkedIn, or you know, I'm a, yeah. That didn't by contextualizing like that. If you could like find that context mm. where it shows you your value, then you're like winning. Awesome. Well, I reckon we could chat for another three hours, but <laughs> it was a good chat, wasn't it? It was sir? a good chat. Oh, we should do it more often. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Awesome. So, oh, people want to find you, LinkedIn, obviously. Yes, yes. I'm well, string you in, or like just find me a hashtag string story. Nice. String's another thing that you sort of co-opted into your personal brand. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that a good move? Very like you know, point. you know me pre-string days. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, it was lovely seeing you. Thank you, sir. So I hope you enjoyed that chat. If you did, jump onto wherever you get your podcasts from and hit subscribe. We've got conversations coming out twice a month. And if you did have any feedback at all, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to, to leave a comment on, on iTunes or, or the Google Store or hit us up at Digital Noir Presents on Facebook or just Google Digital Noir and, and you'll find us. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time.